podcast. Uh, good afternoon, good morning. Uh, hope your workout is going well. Hope this flight is crushing it for you. I know so many of you listen as you travel. Uh, wanted to talk to you about Vayner Mentors, uh, the new product offering at Vayner Media. Uh, so many of you on the podcast have been asking me, looking through my email, so many of you have been asking me like, hey, my business is doing a million bucks. How do I get it to 10 million? A lot of you know my story of building my dad's business from three to 60 in a short period of time. I'm getting a ton of questions. You might have saw the video on Facebook, but I know a lot of audiences just living on the podcast, so I wanted to do this like kind of pre-roll before you listen to today's podcast. Go to garyvee.com slash Pod. There's an S in the mentors, Pod. GaryVee.com slash VaynerMentorsPod to get information on our new consulting offer at VaynerMedia. I promised my CFO that I'd get a bunch of customers for it. Uh, VaynerMedia is completely flabbergasted by the results we're seeing from 4Ds and Vayner Mentors so far. And I know that at least one to five of you who are listening, of the millions that are listening to the podcast, are in that place right now where you have not been able to grow your business from that one to five. Basically the goal of Vayner Mentors is if your business is doing one to five million in revenue and it has been doing that for the last two or three years, you're kind of plateauing. We've created a consulting product that ranges in the range of like 150,000 to 500,000 to get you from three to 10, three to 20. We've taken some of the best experts from VaynerMedia to put it on it. I would highly recommend if this is your reality to go to garyvee.com slash VaynerMentorsPod. VaynerMentors with an S, P-O-D, garyvee.com slash VaynerMentorsPod. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Please help me welcome to the stage, Gary Vaynerchuk. Good afternoon. Uh, actually, there's a lot of different places I want to take this talk, so I think I'll use the context of this first question to uh, navigate my content, and then uh, I'll pontificate, and then we will do some Q&A, because I think the details are far more interesting than the hyperbole or the context that I roll with up here. Uh, and and obviously a lot of it you can gather through uh, YouTube and other places. So quickly by show of hands, how many of you have no idea who I am? Please raise your hand. That hurts. <laughs> Tough start. Uh, I figured that to be the case. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to uh, give you a background on uh, where I came from and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. So I was born in the uh, former Soviet Union. I was born in Belarus. Uh, I came to the US when I was three. Uh, we were very poor. I lived in a studio apartment in Queens uh, uh, that was about the size of this stage. Uh, my dad got a bunch of side jobs. One was a stock boy in a liquor store uh, in Clark, New Jersey where, um, where he made two bucks an hour. Uh, and, uh, and that's where our American dream started. Uh, my dad eventually became the, um, the manager of that store and we moved to Edison, New Jersey where my entrepreneurial career began. Uh, when I was six, uh, I started a six lemonade stand franchise. So, uh, how many of you by show of hands remember big wheels, those little bikes? I, would, I rode my big wheels at the end of the day picking up my cash like I was little Tony Soprano or something. So. <laughs> That was good, that was a good start to like start making some money when I was, uh, when I turned uh, 
13, I started my real first big business. Uh, baseball cards were a big deal uh, when, uh, when I was of that age in the US and uh, I started selling baseball cards in the, sh- in the malls of New Jersey making two to three thousand dollars a weekend as a 14 year old. Uh, as you can imagine, that's pretty big time. I don't know about you guys, but when you have $30,000 in cash under your bed and you're 14, and you're not selling weed, you're doing a good job. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that was good. Uh, and then at that point, my dad, you know, how many people here are immigrants or a child of an immigrant? Raise your hands. Makes sense. So as you guys know intimately, when you're an immigrant, you don't spend any money on anything, and uh, eventually you can buy your own business, and that's what my dad did. He eventually bought a small liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey, uh, called Shoppers Discount Liquors, and when I turned 14, I had the privilege of going from making $1,000 a weekend to uh, making two bucks an hour, bagging ice for 15 hours a day. Uh, And I did that every weekend and every single summer vacation of my life for two years. I call those the dark ages. Uh, Eventually my dad allowed me to come upstairs um, and uh, and that's where I really learned uh, my passion of the business my dad was in. At that point, I wasn't super interested in selling Coors Light or or Absolute Vodka. There was nothing interesting about it. People bought what they bought. We sold those items at cost. We were a discount liquor retailer. I I couldn't get my juices going, but wine culture was just starting in the US in the mid-90s, and we were in Springfield, New Jersey, so Summit, Milburn, Short Hills, some affluence around us, so there was some wine buildup happening that I became super interested in, and because people collected wine, uh, that was really my attachment point of the wine collecting to the baseball card and comic book and all that kind of stuff. For me, it was kind of like, you know, Michael Jordan, Frank Thomas, Wayne Gretzky, Silver Oak, Opus One, Chateau Lafitte, same I can do this. So, so I basically moved all my attention of learning that world versus the baseball card world. This is where the story starts making a connection point between a lot of you and myself. I will make this statement predicated on what I'm about to talk about for the next 40 or so minutes before we get into Q&A, and I think it's gonna make a very important connection point between all of us. There's one thing I really want you to understand as I go on with this talk. I love social media because it sells Not because it's interesting, I don't like techiness, I didn't grow up with a computer until I was 18 years old. I like it because it sells stuff. And that's the important connection that I want to really make here. See, my career took an interesting turn. At 18, I decided that I was gonna open up 4,000 liquor stores. I used to call it the Toys R Us of liquor stores and wine shops across the country. Build the biggest franchise in the wine and spirits world, sell it, and buy the New York Jets, right? That was the game plan. (laughs) And that's still the game plan, but it's taken a very different turn. And its first turn happened my freshman year in college. I was in my dorm room playing Madden 94, dominating by the way, and um, my friend ran into my room and said, hey man, you have to come and see this. I run into a room, there's six guys hovering over a computer. Now mind you, I've spent less than 10 hours on a computer in my life at this point. I was a crap student, so I mailed in computer class, and I think I had a word processor that I never opened to do my papers, and so I'm sitting in front of this computer, it's the first time that I ever hear, remember that? 
want to talk about the real racket, dial up internet three bucks a minute, AOL. Anyway, <laughs> they're sitting there. I'm hovering over him. I make a very profound statement. I say, is this the information superhighway? <laughs> That's what we called it back then. I know you guys know. Um, and, uh, and there it was, the internet. I waited an hour and a half to my turn. Shows you how different the web was. Waited an hour and a half for my turn to navigate the web. And in the first seven minutes, I landed on a, on a baseball card bulletin board where people were selling baseball cards back and forth. And literally in that instance, I realized, holy I do not need to open up 4,000 wine shops. I can use this thing to sell more wine. In 1996, about 18 months later, I launched the second e-commerce wine retail business in America called winelibrary.com. In 1998, uh, I took over operations for my dad's store. From 1996 to 1998, while still in school, the business ran. In the first year that we did winelibrary.com, we did less than $5,000 in net sales on the website. Now, I don't know how many of you have a Soviet father, but Sasha Vaynerchuk wasn't super happy with the ROI on the $25,000 investment. <laughs> we, there's something over here, I'm gonna try to stay away from it. Um, in 1998, I took over my dad's business. It did $3 million in revenue on 10% gross profit. So we're talking about $300,000 to the bottom line. Luckily, Sasha paid nobody, so we took a couple bucks home. From 1998 to 2003, in a five-year window with no cash infusion, I grew that business from a three to a $60 million business. Right, so I sit in a room that I very much associate with. I live in Silicon Valley world, I live in Madison Avenue world, but this room is my favorite world. These are, you guys are operators, you run your business. You can, I can talk about anything you want. We can talk about Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. There's one very simple basic thing. In a 60 month period, I grew a business from three to $60 million in revenue on one very simple fact that 99.9% of these businesses in this room do not follow, which is I operated and more importantly, marketed in the year that I actually lived in. Let me explain. What I did, and it's a very simple thing, is I played the arbitrage of customer acquisition. And also, real quick, while I tell these stories, I recognize that this was a B2C business, and I also recognize there's a lot of B2B businesses in there. Just to give you context, I now currently run a 600-person social and digital agency that four years ago was 30 people, and I've grown the business from a three to a $65 million business in those three and a half years, and we're gonna do $100 million in revenue next year. It's a runway. It's a very simple blueprint which is the following. There is always an arbitrage of where you could be marketing your business, whether in a B2B or a B2C environment. However, most people don't execute and market in the year that they actually live in. 99% of the businesses in this room are marketing like it's 2007, 2004, 2001, 1996. There's some in here from the 1980s. In that white space, I live. I live in the white space while everybody else debates the ROI of these new things. In 1996, that was email marketing. I had one of the first email newsletters going. How many people 
here in this room have ever been close enough, have ever run email marketing, run email marketing, or are close enough in your business right now where you understand your email marketing? Raise your hands. Higher, just for context, please. Great. Just for all of you that are close to it, in 1996, I had an email newsletter that had hundreds of thousands of people on it that had a 90 plus percent open rate. Yeah, wow, because in 1996, and you guys are old, so you remember. (laughs) I'm old too, I'm 39. I talk to a lot of kids, that's why I'm saying it. In 1996, how many people got on email in 1996? Raise your hand, just curious. You remember? Well, yeah, I know there's some nerds in here, relax. But in 1996, we read every email. It's what we did. It was new. I remember sending email because I couldn't believe it was free and I didn't realize that it would be free forever. I literally was like, they're gonna charge for this because I'm never sending a letter again. How are they gonna subsidize those you know, costs, government? But anyway, the bottom line is, very simply, that's what worked for me then. Having the first e-commerce wine business worked for me then. I sat in a room like this in Jersey Chamber of Commerce on Route 22 in Union, New Jersey in 1996 telling everybody that I was gonna sell wine on the internet. The opening, I give my whole spiel, the opening question from somebody in the audience is, Gary, I'm very confused by this thing. Explain to me. So you're telling me at the wine library, which I know, I know you're on Milburn Avenue, you're gonna take a bottle of wine and you're gonna stick it in a wire and it's gonna show up at somebody's house? This was literally, this was literally the discussion in 1996 about internet. People, everybody told me in 1996, 7-8-9 that people wouldn't buy stuff. First, people didn't think people would buy anything on the internet. Then it wasn't wine. By show of hands, and this is very important, I know a lot of you wanna mail it in and head nod, and I just asked you a show of hands and you guys all I need high hands because I want everybody to see this. And and remember the following question, lying is the devil. All right, here we go. By show of hands, how many people remember very easily just 15 years ago or less, you being very uncomfortable and even made the statement that you would not put a credit card into a computer? Don't lie, raise your hands. Raise it high. Jesus. Now, of those people, how many of you have now put a credit card into a website? Raise your hands. That, my friends, what just happened is the single place where I live. That right there, that right there, what you in this room right now think you won't do and what I know you're going to do is the white space in which I will buy the New York Jets. (laughs) And that has been the calling card and that is what I'm trying to inspire, one, because I'm very practical. You're about to get pumped, I'm gonna make a lot of sense because I'm a businessman. I don't care about technology. I wish it didn't exist. I knew exactly how to do direct mail and radio and print. I did those things. I don't want things to change. I figured out email marketing and Google AdWords. How many people here run Google AdWords for their business? Raise your hands. I bought the word wine the day it came out for five cents a click and owned it for nine months before anybody bid me up. White space. White space, market in the year that you live in. I know that every B2B manufacturer in this room right now can sell a ton more by running Facebook dark post ads right now and they have no idea for that to be true because they're a headline reader and they're not a practitioner. You read two articles in the Wall Street Journal and you form your opinion and you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So. How do I move somebody to this mental place in this talk? I give you real life examples. I talk about real stuff. I also recognize that this is gonna be fun and cool and interesting and blah, 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 and then next Thursday happens and you lose a deal 
or somebody quits and you go back to real life and you go on defense instead of offense. This, and kudos to you for getting out of the day-to-day operations, is where you need to go on the offense. But this is where you need to make religious beliefs instead of tactics. The reason most people don't win in these spaces is they're trying to win on tactics versus the religion. And here is the religion. My friends, we are living through, right now, the greatest shift in human communications since the printing press, and it's 5X the change of that. We are living right now through the biggest shift in the way that we communicate that we've ever seen. Guys, how many people in this room have sent an emoji via text in the last year? Raise your hands. Grown 70 year old dude sending poop. <laughs> Grown 70 year old men sending poop via text on a phone. Think about that. Cause here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. How many people here are lucky enough to have a 15 to 25 year old child or grandchild in their lives? Raise your hands. This is gonna be perfect. You guys remember three years ago when you had this awesome conversation? Hey little Ricky, hey little Susie, I don't give a how you talk with your friends, but when your mother and father call, you pick up the phone. Remember that? Just curious, how'd that work out for you? I'll help you answer that question. There are grown ass men in here who texted OMG and LOL today. How many people in this room, in every 24 hour window, including when they're sleeping, are always within arm's reach of this? Raise your hands, hi, I want everybody to see it. Look at, the, everybody hold it up. People in the front, hold it up. I see some hands that went down. Please, I just want everybody to see this. Every 24 hour window within arm's reach of this. My friends, this is the first, second, third, and fourth screen in people's lives. This is the most important thing in the world. This is the closest extension to your brain in the world. I would rather somebody roll up on me, stab me in the stomach, and steal my wallet than lose my phone. And so here's one thing, Vistage, that I can tell you. Regardless of what you do for a living, every one of you is connected by one truth that matters to every person in this room, which is, before you tell me how great your business is and what you can do for me as a service provider or you can sell me some tools or you're a great agency, before you tell me or any other consumer what your thing is and why it's so great, you need the most important commodity in the world, attention. You need somebody's attention before you can tell them how good your thing is. And what we're doing now more than ever is wasting real big money as a collective industries on places where people are not paying attention to as much and that is the rub. That is the opportunity. We are not spending our marketing and storytelling prowess where people are actually living in 2015 and we're spending on places that we've always done it, that we know is tried and true. It's how we've done it. We're being very romantic about how we get there and that is the opportunity at hand. My friends, I run a big agency now, Pepsi, Unilever, GE, Toyota, big, 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 big brands. The collective Fortune 500 industry is spending $80 billion producing television commercials and distributing them. 
By show of hands, how many people in this room, now when they watch their favorite TV show, take away sports, now when you watch your favorite television show, you watch it on your time, not when it actually airs. Netflix, HBO Go, DVR, you watch your favorite TV show on your time. Raise your hands high, show me. Oh weird, everybody. This isn't the 14 to 23 year old crowd. And if you're lucky enough that your remote control falls off your bed so you can't fast forward and a commercial actually comes, every person in this room grabs their phone and checks their email. (laughs) Yet, yet, we are spending $80 billion and you don't give a rat's ass that a Jeep is going up a hill, right? You don't care for and we're throwing good money directly in the trash. How many people here can't wait to leave this great conference? How many people here can't wait to get home tonight from the Vistage conference and check their mail carefully? (laughs) And go through the billions of dollars that are spent on direct mail to sell you something. And what about outdoor media? Billions of dollars spent on billboards to sell us stuff? If you drive home from this conference, please look at five, if you remember anything from this talk, go outside now when you go home and look at five people driving. I promise you, every passenger is looking at their phone. All attention that used to be there 10 years ago, that's gone. Three out of the five drivers are looking at their phone. (laughs) So people aren't looking at billboards, they're barely looking at the road. As a matter of fact, since the first time since I was 16, I'm driving with both hands because I'm scared of you guys because you're literally looking at your phone at all times. And by the way, this is not a traditional versus digital thing. How many people here have clicked a banner ad in the last year? I mean, nobody does that. It's on the bottom left-hand corner of a website. Nobody wants that. Pre-roll videos that make you watch a video for 30 seconds that you have no interest in because you wanted to see something else. Not value, stealing from us. I made an early investment in a company called Uber. That's good. But I passed on Uber's angel round and left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table, which was a real miss for me. It's because I didn't understand what Uber was really selling the first time around when I passed. In the next round, I made a connection. My brother took the first Uber in New York City because we're very friendly with the founder and CEO and we were testing it and I realized, holy Uber doesn't sell transportation. Uber sells time. My friends, we are living through a 24-7, 365 world. Everybody here is, how many people remember working pre-internet? Just raise your hands. That's right, you guys have real context. Remember, actually, if you, even if you were a workaholic, you worked nine to eight. PM, at least the day was over. There's none of that anymore. We're all on 24-7, 365, which means time has become our number one asset. We value it immensely. We will spend for it tremendously. And that is why Uber has won. As a matter of fact, how many people here have taken an Uber in New York City tri-state area while waiting for the Uber have watched yellow cabs drive right by them. (laughs) Literally, Uber sells the perception of time and we go for it. This is important for you to think about the following. People that do sales in this room. A lot of people do sales. There's a big conversation between sales and marketing in my mind always because they matter so much and they both matter. 
And so many of these companies in this room in the market live on sales. And don't think enough about marketing, which then becomes a more lifetime value, higher level, can save you a lot of cost on sales. And more importantly, sales are changing. How many people in this room are willing to admit the following? This is intense. How many people are willing to admit the following? I need you here. How many people are now mad when another human being calls them? Raise your hand. (laughs) Raise it high, I want everybody to see this. Raise it high, high. I want you guys to look around. Keep it up for a second, I see a lady dropping it because I think a lot of people don't understand this phenomenon that's happening. This is about 50% of the room. My friends, let me just say this one more time. I just asked a room full of 700 people, how many people were mad when any human being calls them? (laughs) Ever. And they're mad. They're mad because they understand technology has gotten to a place where that doesn't have to be the case. They're mad because you could have texted me and I could get back to you on my time, not you bothering me on your time. Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And so we've lived for 70 years where marketing and advertising and sales have been in the business of disrupting you when you're doing your and trying to sell you. I wanna listen to the ball game, they're gonna stop and sell me some beer. I'm listening to a great radio show, they stop, they try to sell something. I'm reading a very good article, I turn the page, wait, it's a full page ad for a car, I gotta get around it, right? I wanna go to a website, a banner ad pops up, I've gotta click it, get out of the way, and then read what I want. We have been in disruptive marketing, I call you at your house and try to telemarket to you, right? This has been the game for 70 years, and there's a problem. The problem is technology has finally caught up to the actual consumer behavior. It started with boop, 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 with Tebow, and it's moving on to every technology in the world, including the next update for Apple, where they're blocking ads on your mobile device, because I think we all know there's nothing worse, there's literally nothing worse than a pop-up banner ad on a mobile device. Because as you guys know, it takes up the whole screen. I don't know if you've noticed, the X is so minuscule. I don't know about you guys, my thumb is fat as I try, to, I try to X out, I miss, I click it, it takes me to the wrong page, it steals four seconds of my time, which is really valuable at this point because the way we live, and back home at media agency world or at the brand, look, look how good the click-through ratio is. <laughs> Meanwhile, you hate that brand. Meanwhile, after that happened to me 500 times on ESPN, I called my wife and said, no more Samsung products as long as I, when I'm dead Lizzie, do your own thing, but I'm telling you right now, no more Samsung products. Because the sentiment was negative, not positive. I know that we help companies like GE sell hundreds of thousands of dollars in lighting contracts by running ads against employees of companies that actually could buy that lighting contract. I know that if you use LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook properly, one salesperson can drive the sales results that a 10-person sales team can do for your business if you actually knew how it worked. I know that nobody understands that right this second, Facebook ads is the single best ad product since early Google AdWords, and the only point of view that people have on it was the organic reach went away, and they tricked us to sell us ads, yet not recognizing it's the best ROI ad product of all time. And number two, the kids aren't there. Cool, agreed, but a lot of people here don't need to be selling to 15-year-olds. So I know that 
You've heard of social media and you hear of it as social media, that thing, and I hear it as social media, the slang term for the current state of the internet. And when you take that definition and understand the current state of the internet, it gets a lot harder in this room to bet against it. You wanna bet against the internet? Knock yourselves out. It's a bad idea. Because if you sit here calmly, actually this is a very important conversation to have right now because I want to navigate off of this show of hands. How many people in this room are retiring in the next five years? And I don't mean you're gonna kill it and buy a boat. I mean, I mean, you're old and you're finished. So, one more time. One more time. How many people retiring here in the next five years? Raise your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six. Great. So for you six gentlemen, I think you can take some of the you know, content that I'm about to roll out with with some grain of salt. You know? Really hope you enjoy the fishing and whatever you're up to. Um, but for the rest of you, please remember that 10 years ago today, nothing that matters in attention today existed. Not smartphones, Facebook, not YouTube, or they just turned 10. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. My friends, this is the number one thing in the world. This right here, 50% of what people do on this thing is social networks. Attention, attention. You think that your customer's not on it because you've aged down the platforms. You think it's 20 year olds. How many people in this room on Facebook, raise your hands. Oh, weird, interesting, yeah. How many people in this room on Instagram, raise your hands? Hmm. More than people would have thought. Because what we're living through, back to that culture, if you're bought into this religion, not the tactic, what we're living through, my friends, is something very, very fascinating, which is the age downification of our society. Let me explain. If you are lucky enough to be in this room right now, and can sit here and know your age, and if you were lucky enough to know your parent at your exact age that you are now, if you're blessed enough to have known your parent at the age that you are right this second, how many people have that? Raise your hands. Now think about your parent at your age right now, how much older they were than you are acting now. We are acting so much younger in one generation. As a matter of fact, if you look at the consumer behavior, the average 42-year-old woman is acting like most 29-year-old females only a decade ago. The number one growth of selfies on Instagram is 40 to 50-year-old females. (laughs) Cougar selfies. Cougar selfies. Early in Facebook, when I spoke in rooms like this in 2009, and I said, you're gonna be on Facebook. You know that whole spiel I did with raise your hand? So yeah, I, know, I would segue into, how many people here are not on Facebook? A lot of people raise their hands. I, I would say, you're gonna be on it. They would be like, no. Then I would ask, actually, let's ask in here. How many people in this room, at one point in their lives, probably seven, eight years ago, said that they would never go on Facebook? Why would they do that? And have now gone on Facebook? Raise your hands, tell the truth. So that was the game I would play, right? 
And so, to me, what people didn't understand back then, I used to call it the grandma effect, which was, I was living in the age where I knew people were putting their kids' pictures on Facebook, and if you wanted to keep up with your kids, that's where you had to be, period, end of story. It's the biggest reason so many people in this room are on Instagram now, because that's where their kids are spending their time on. There's even, how many people in this room are on Snapchat? Raise your hands. Hi. Let's clap it up for these pioneers. And I know some of the old folks are here like, isn't that the site where they send the penis pictures and the sex stuff? (laughs) No. That's what old white men put on media to scare you away from these things. It's the place where 125 million people go every single day and spend multiple hours. Now those people right now are 14 to 25 year olds. Those same people will be 25 to 35 year olds in about, oh I don't know, 12 to 18 months. Those people that make business decisions. Those people that influence people within their organizations to make business decisions. And it might make sense for you to have some clue of what's going on there if that's going to be the case. And that's the theory. And that's the basic principle. Which is, if you sit in this room right now and you run a business that does seven figures a year and you have zero knowledge of what's going on on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and Pinterest, depending on your business. If you have zero knowledge and you have a seven-figure business in B2B or B2C, you, as a CEO, are not positioning your business in the right manner. You are making yourself very, very vulnerable because this shift is real because technology doesn't care about how you want the world to be, it just does it the way it's going to be. Some poor sap bought 5,000 horses before Henry Ford created the car. He lost. The price went down on that commodity because technology changed. Woolworths and JCPenney's and Sears didn't innovate, they lost. IBM's in deep trouble because of cloud services and they didn't adjust, but Amazon did. And the world goes on and on and on. And my friends, with all due respect to everybody in this room, including myself, way better, way bigger businesses than ours have gone out of business by disrespecting the year that we live in. How many people here are in in manufacturing? Raise your hands. I mean, look. I assume you're paying a little attention to what's going on with 3D printing. Like, you got to. Like, you want to disrespect it, you're more than welcome. If you deploy technology growth over a 10-year window, it's very difficult to understand why in the world 15 years from this moment right now, anybody would buy a screwdriver or a part of any sorts when they can print it in their home. Your head can't totally wrap itself around that because we didn't grow up with it. But nor did your great, great, if you went and dug up your great, great grandfather and showed him this world, he would his pants. (laughs) He would say, what is this and that and this and that. Do you know that the number one new construction feature on suburban homes in 2015 is a door on the front door of homes so that people can drop the Amazon packages right behind it. Guys, we, you know, I, I question myself, you know what's really most interesting to me is that all of you know these things are happening in real life. All of you just raised your hands. You, half of you don't want a phone call from another person, right? You're sending emojis to each other. You didn't know what an emoji was 24 months ago, 
right? Your, all your behaviors from an everyday basis, the way you live as a human being, have shifted on you, yet you're trying to run your business as if it doesn't exist in today's environment of communication. This is a major opportunity as it is a major risk. And you're more than welcome to put your head in the sand. And I'll tell you this, the number one quickest way to go out of business is to be romantic about how you make your money. You're more than welcome to draw a line in the sand. You're more than welcome to be super sad that when you go out to a restaurant and you see a couple sitting there and they're both on the phone, you're more than welcome to judge them how sad that is. Right? You're more than welcome to judge your grandkids or your nieces and nephews or your own kids about how they just sit at home and play Minecraft and they're fat because they don't go outside. Or how, this is my favorite, this is my favorite old person talk, and I'm talking like my 30-year-old friends. Oh, these kids, they don't even know how to communicate to each other because they're always on the phone, right? They don't know how to communicate. Meanwhile, what you were doing on that same Tuesday afternoon, 30 years old, earlier, was you were outside throwing a tennis ball against a wall, playing wall ball by yourself. <laughs> and more importantly, what's way more interesting to me is, where do you think the world's going? Like, what do you think your kids and these youngsters' lives are gonna look like in a digital era? You think we're going backwards? You think everybody's gonna melt their phones? And like, we're gonna be anti-technology? This is going in one direction. And what, what I'm passionate about and what I have fear for is the level of disrespect for how big of a shift this really is and how intense it changes your industries. My friends, when I invested in Uber, I called my dad. I said, Dad, you need to talk to Lenny and Nikolai and Victor and Ivan because all my dad's friends, when they came to America, a lot of them went to LA. How many people have lived in LA or spent time in LA? So as you guys probably know, if you've spent time there, every single black car in LA is driven by a Russian dude, right? So they set up shop there in the 70s and 80s. These are good guys, they're 62, 63 years old, they're my dad's friends. I call my dad and said, listen, this Uber thing is real. Because Uber, just for your own knowledge, it happened fast. It was very quickly, like holy the hell, San Francisco did more in the first three months than they projected for two years. So it was, you got something here, right? So I called my dad, I said, look dad, these guys need to sell their business. My dad has seen me be right a lot. Sends me that way. These guys laughed me out of the phone. They said, let me get this straight, daddy. <laughs> people are gonna pick up people randomly in their cars through their phone? You're such a nice boy. Here's the interesting thing. In 36 months, and this, this is not a fun story to me. These are guys that came to America in the late 70s, worked as a cab driver for seven or eight years every day of their lives, built up money, bought their own cars and medallions, built a business, worked their ass off, have now just hit 62, 63, maybe bought a boat to go in the Riviera, finally ready to like cash in, either sell the business or have somebody else in the family run it, collect dividends, and literally their businesses are worth a quarter on the dollar in 36 months. I mean, do you think that the Hilton and the Marriott and Four Seasons five years ago when they sat in a room, five years ago, sat in a room and said, okay, what's gonna happen in hotel industry? Who's gonna, what's the Westin? This is what they said, what's the Westin gonna do? Hilton said, what do you think Marriott's gonna do? Nobody in that meeting raised their hands and says, you know, what I think's gonna happen is a platform's gonna come out where people put their apartments and homes on it and everybody just 
buys it off each other. I think they're gonna call it Airbnb. (laughs) Nobody said that. Nobody said that five years ago it didn't exist and that is now the disproportionate biggest hospitality company in the world. How many people in this room have used an Airbnb? Raise your hands, raise your hands high. You know what, raise your hands high for a second because I want everybody to see I'll be honest with you and I'm in this. This is what I do 24-7. Raise your hands, one more time I apologize, I know I'm bothering you. That's a lot. I'm surprised. Wait a minute, how many people on Instagram? Raise your hands. All right, that's up. We need more Instagram stuff. Like that makes no sense on the ratio meter. Guys, almost half this room just raised their hand that they used an Airbnb. Every one of those dollars used to go to the Marriott and the Four Seasons and the Ritz and somebody else. We are really, really, really living through a culture shift that everybody's disproportionately underestimating. And let me tell you the quickest and easiest way for you to address it in your world. How many people here spend money on marketing in any shape or form? Raise your hands. Every one of you has to go look at every line item on your P&L of what you spend on marketing. I promise you, 40 to 60% of the money you spend to make more money is going directly in the garbage because you're marketing like it's a decade ago. And as a matter of fact, I know this because I do this for a living at scale, most of you don't even know the practitioner details in that spend. It's just the way it is. You've taken for granted what it does. You do not know the current ROIs of your AdWords campaign, your direct mail campaign, your platforms, your, your sponsorships, your flyers, your radio, whatever it is you're doing. And so, while this is all happening and this entire room is spending their monies on those places, people are tuning out those messages. I mean, buying, buying an ad in a print magazine I mean, really? Because somebody's gonna go to page 132 of the B2B magazine in your industry and see your full page ad and get inspired to call you? I mean, we are wasting real money. Hundreds of collective billions of dollars each year being thrown directly in the trash because people are not practitioners in the reality of the current marketplace. And so I implore you, and by the way, I know what you're thinking. Huh, this guy might be right. Yeah, I'm gonna take that 24-year-old to my office and put him on this. Do not do that. (laughs) Most of your 24-year-olds that are pushing social media as an agenda, their practitionership on social media is about picking up chicks or dudes or hanging out. It is not predicated on actually selling stuff. There is real, tangible ROI in these platforms. We have many B2B companies selling million dollar contracts through a post on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Real money, because you're on them. And please, how many people on LinkedIn? Here we go, everybody. This is not a social media strategy. Go to LinkedIn and spam that you wanna sell to. That is not a strategy of emailing them cold and saying, I'm Pam, work with me. It's not gonna work. I I mean, again, because I look at the data of inbound versus outbound. You don't respond to the spamming you get on LinkedIn, yet you deploy it as if you think everybody's different than you. My friends, it's time to wake up. It's 2016, and the far majority of this room is not playing like it is. And you're putting your head in the sand if you don't think this stuff is gonna really shift stuff. And your emerging competitors, either the ones in this room, the three, 
the two that get inspired from here and do something about it, or the 15 to 20 that never knew the way you did it and are just starting and doing it the only way they know, which is this way. How many people here are familiar with Birchbox? Birchbox, raise your hand. Birchbox, company I wrote the first check into. Zero to $400 million in revenue of a subscription of the month makeup business in four years. Meanwhile, and by the way, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook. Meanwhile, L'Oreal is a client of mine. And I go sit down with the CEO the other day. He goes, Gary, we're really struggling for 20 to 35 year olds. You've been saying this is a problem. Help me understand, help me understand. I said, okay, Frederick. I go, for the last 18 months, I've been trying to explain to you that if you think that you're gonna reach 20 to 35-year-old women by buying page 197 in Vogue and spending, stick with me now, $700 million in print advertising, you're out of your mind. And that's it. And so that's L'Oreal's extreme, and I know nobody here is spending $700 million in advertising on print but they're trying to capture people's attention in a place that we left a long time ago. My friends, this is historic. This is history repeating itself. If you wanna be a practitioner, if you wanna be a historian, go read, go get yourself educated on the carnage, the carnage that happened when the radio went from being the number one platform to being number two behind television. And all the brands that were romantic and emotional about loving the radio and they love the guy that read their ad for them. And they grew up listening to the ball game on the radio, so this thing called TV. Go read the stories about that and understand we're living through that again. We're not going back. It's not happening. So wake up because you have a lot to lose. And the most interesting part is if you actually wake up and become a practitioner and educated, you have a lot to gain, a whole lot. So please, market and operate like it's 2015, 16. Because when you start marketing that way, you start operating that way. And you start realizing, maybe you need to treat your employees differently. I run a 600 person firm where I spend 70% of my time on HR. I'm the head of HR, that's what I am. I run an agency, I sell people. What am I gonna spend my time on? And we are now living in a place where your workforce has more options than it's ever had before. And if we're not bringing value to our people, if you're not following every one of your employees on social media to get a context of who they are and what they are outside of your four walls, you're making a huge mistake. It's one of the best things I do. Now, of course, my workforce skews very young. I respect that some of yours won't or won't have you, but the bottom line is, We need to do way more about caring about the number one asset we have, which is our employees. My customers are a distant second to my employees. And with all the changes that are going on in this marketplace, guys, you know this, everybody coming out of college right now thinks that they're the next Mark Zuckerberg. Every 23-year-old in America right now is trying to raise $2 million on their idea. And a lot of people in this room wrote a $25,000 check to their friend's son because he's gonna do the next Uber. And so we're living in very, very interesting times. And so what I can tell you practically is the disproportionate ROI of my financial career has been predicated on investing in my people. 
and using the current technologies, I've never been able to scale it better. I have a better read and understanding of who they are and how they roll. And you start using these tools and this shift in so many different ways. I really, really implore you to take this seriously because if you think a lot's changed in the last 10 years, wait till you see what happens in the next 10 years. Are you guys ready for smart pants? Because smartphones are here, right? We can all agree that got smart. Are you guys ready for smart pants? Let me tell you what smart pants are. You put your pants on in the morning, cool. You're running through life, you're busy, you go to a fast food joint, you order a burger, you go to pay for it. Now with this on an everyday basis. So five years from now, paying with this. Wallet, no more. You go to pay for it, it declines, and your smart pants text you, stop eating burgers, get a salad, fat ass. <laughs> It's all coming. Smart refrigerator. You know how disruptive that's gonna be for CPG brands? Your smart refrigerator in your kitchen, knowing that you're a Bud Light drinker, and when you're down to one Bud Light, it reorders it for you. And so who's gonna make that sale? Walmart? I don't think so. My wine shop? I don't think so. Bud Light. The internet is the middleman. Many of you won't see it all the way through to disrupt your business, but that's only gonna happen out of luck. You got lucky that you didn't own a hotel. You got lucky that you didn't own a black car service. But right now, right this second, one of the businesses in this room is being disrupted by two kids with an idea, with tons of money and backing, and the internet as its infrastructure to speed up from zero to a pain in the to a problem in 24 months. And if you don't start running the marathon at at least, at least, I can't help ask you, to do what I try to do every day, which is try to put myself out of business. Every day I wake up, I try to put myself out of business. Because it's much more fun if I do it than somebody else does it for me. And I can't ask you to do that because that's a big leap from not being deep in it. But what I can ask this room is to start looking at their advertising and start acting like it's 2016 because that will become a proxy to all your behavior, both in HR, both in operations, both in product, both in everything. It's the quickest and most practical way to be there. I love when people position me in media, I was on Bloomberg TV today, thought leader, guru, this, that, I'm the most practical person. I was born with zip. When I was doing my marketing, there was no awards, there was no reports. Like many of you, if I didn't sell more Pinot Grigio, that was the problem. So, all this stuff I'm telling you, I'm not a futurist. I'm not here to get you excited. I'm here to wake you the up. I'm practical. It's 2015. Wake up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I wanted, I want, look, that's great rah-rah, but I wanted to cut it short. I want to go deep into Q&A. Please come with Social Media 101, very practical stuff. Don't be shy. I got a list of a lot of the people that were in this room in the businesses. 99% of you so, so nobody's gonna be embarrassed. We're all in the same place. So who's got a question? Yes. What's your name, my man? Charles Bernard. 
Charles. CEO of Criteria for Success, we're a sales improvement company. Fantastic. And uh, we meld training with a system for selling. And um, about a year ago, 12 months ago, I invested heavily, like way beyond what I thought I should or could in uh, social media marketing. What was in detail, what did you do? Do you know? Well, first thing I did is I hired a uh, marketing manager. Yes. I spent a ton of time interviewing for the right person. I think I got the right person. Yes. All she does is badger me every single week. Yes. We should do this. We should, we should buy this license. We should spend 12K on HubSpot. We should be, I'm like, oh my God, more money, more money. And it went, I really, what resonated was the, the business about religion because I really did honestly take a leap of faith. I was like, I don't see an ROI, you know, so yes. you're not going to see an ROI. Yes. But we got a hundred more followers this week. I'm like, where is that translating to money? Sure. What does that mean? Right. We're business people here. Who gives a who, now it's 200 a week. Yeah. Now we're, we're blowing away our um, visits, goals, et cetera, et cetera. So my question really is... Did you sell anything more? Well, we've got a lot of people... No, no, no. Did you sell more? No. Right. Because Not the yet. person you hired... <laughs> well, that was my question. We're developing a lot of content. You know, you know what happens? You hired somebody that's in the job of marketing for the sake of marketing. You just rattled off a bunch of marketing metrics. I don't give a, I have 1.2 million followers on Twitter. I don't give a uh, Like, I care about how many of them buy When I go sell a book, I want, I know that 100,000 of them are gonna buy. That's what I'm excited about. I know the other 1.190 can create more word of mouth for more people that I can convert. She's rattling off, or he, I was trying to follow you, they're rattling off, they right. HubSpot. I'm an advisor to HubSpot. It's a tool. Marketers love tools, right? Like everybody, like you could give me the greatest driver and saw. You know, you know these things. If you're a good athlete at something, don't you love those people who buy the best? Like tennis. I like playing tennis. I love my homies that buy the doll sneakers. You know, Joker pads. Like they got the Federer racket. They got the headband and the wristband. They got all the tools. They get in the court and they get smoked six love. That's what I'm worried about with marketers. They want all the tools, they want all the metrics, but they don't connect the pipes to make stuff sell. I am only a salesman. I can sell a lot of stuff for you because every one of my things is reverse engineering the sale, not the marketing jargon. That is my belief on your quick, listen, I have to really, somebody would have to audit it, but when I hear HubSpot and I hear how many followers and how much traffic, I get because those are nice marketing proxies, but how many convert is what matters. Well, I will say we're getting more opportunities. So the question is, that was really my question. Where do you, do you see a trend? So I'm seeing a trend, right? We went from not getting any opportunities through social media. People are contacting us. We never reached out to, don't know where they're coming from, visiting, asking for demos, doing a lot of stuff. So that yeah. sounds promising. It is. So we're getting, and we're getting. So wait a minute. Did I pick on the wrong person? Is she getting us all the things we need, but you guys are up the clothes? <laughs> I just don't think it's happening fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I, I feel bad now. Can you apologize for me? It's, it, so, it sounds like everybody else is <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we're developing amazing content. So my question really is, is oh, it's not really, it's an observation. I'd be curious on your thoughts. Yep. We're generating, so what I've discovered in this year, this, which is a relatively short amount of time, I guess, because I've never done it before, sure. is 
We've parallel streamed, I would say, about 20 initiatives. Yes. And some of them took root and some of them didn't. But, Makes sense. you know, we're developing content. We're in all these platforms you mentioned. Yes. We're getting, we're getting uh, downloads. We're, yes. we're getting forums. We're getting... Yes. So how long do I have to wait? And what do I have to do? I simple mean, look, question. It's, it's, it is a very simple question. I think the answer is, I would look at, are you getting qualified leads? Like, I, those leads, I would try to, un- now, first I would look at your content, and I would see if there was a real right hook at the end of the content to drive people into a funnel where I could then convert, right? Is there a phone number? Because maybe your demo skews older, and just hitting a phone number button is a quicker way than filling out a form. I'm always trying to create as little friction as possible to get to the sale. So first I'd have to look at the content and see how much friction there is to get to the funnel. Then I need to see what happens when it's in the funnel. Is somebody calling them? Are they disrespecting the social? I mean, look, businesses are funny. Politics are real. Maybe the person on the sales team doesn't like that this social media person's doing such a good job, and they're punting and lallygagging all those leads and doing it the old way because they're uncomfortable with this and maybe not following up with those leads. You gotta look at every piece of the pie to get to the conversion of the sale. But it's not super hard. Go audit to see if the stuff is really getting qualified leads, then go find out what those 90 people, what happened to them? Like what happened to Rick Thompson who downloaded a demo and then put his email and phone number in? What did we do with them? That's like having a store, people come to the store but you close the register. So I need to look at all the pieces of the funnel. It sounds like potentially there's some stuff brewing but it seems like the organization since it's so new hasn't made the connection point from a lead to a sale. I mean how long do you have to wait? You have to wait until you actually have the players in place to actually close it. You might have, you could have waited, it could have happened seven months ago if all the pieces were talking to each other. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, sir. What's your name? Hi. Uh, Brian Calipano. Hey, Brian. Thank you. My question is this. Is his mic on? I want to make sure everybody hears it. Is it on now? There we go. Sorry. No worries, Brian. Uh, the question is this. So, a uh, company relatively early in our stage of content marketing. So, what we do is provide CFO services for small, medium-sized businesses. Okay. So, the big question is, right now, we have our own podcast. Great. That we use to kind of get our content out there. Love so, that. In terms of living in 2015. Yes. Is that the right venue? I'm a big fan of podcasting. And what now, about... Now, what are you doing about getting people to listen to the podcast? Well, we're trying to get interesting co-hosts that help us... To and siphon of, their audience to be a proxy to get into there? In part. And part of it is also to show that you know whether what's hitting small and medium-sized businesses, whether it's a marketing issue, social yep. networking, etc. Yep. So we try to make it interesting yep. from the perspective of the entrepreneur. That's right. But is that a better way of doing things? Is that like a couple of years old, or should it no, be more about I, video? I wouldn't, I wouldn't get hung up on what's the hottest thing or marketing. Like it, podcasting is an absolute tactic of 2015. Tons of people listen to them. How many people here listen to podcasts? Pretty cool, it's a good number. A lot more than three years ago, it had a resurgence. It was big in like 08, 09, and all of a sudden it kind of clicked as our phones got smart. Bluetooth in the car became a big reason podcasts blew up, because people were just throwing it from the phone to the car. I think that's a great tactic. I'm a little worried about what you do to get people to listen to it. Too many people spend time of like, I made a podcast. Yeah. I'm like, great, what do you want, a cookie? Well, like you need, you, need, you need to get people right. to listen to it, Absolutely. so that it becomes a proxy content-wise to a sale. So. Facebook ads targeting your co-host's fans on Facebook? Yeah, we try doing that. We also use our own respective LinkedIn networks. But you just use organic when you're a B2B CFO enablement to small business product, you're not gonna have a lot of fans. So you need to use Facebook ads smartly. Employees of small businesses. 
so it shows up in their feed. What about Twitter uh, ads or Twitter? I'm much higher. At, th- at this level, if people aren't hardcore, knowing that they're not gonna spend a lot of money, uh-huh. I want every penny to count, back to how I grew a $3 million business. The way I built Wine Library from three to 60 in five years, every penny was perfect. So I, Facebook is so disproportionately better than Twitter right now okay. that I don't even wanna have people go there. There's ways to do it. There's a, a white listing product I love where somebody says something nice about your business, yep. you contact them, yes. they give you permission to whitelist it, you can amplify their tweet in ads, which is great because it's third party endorsement. So there's some tactics, but Facebook, employees of small businesses in New Jersey. I mean, <laughs> what else do you want? You're not wasting a penny on distribution, you're getting in front of exactly the right people. Then they press play, and now the content becomes the variable. If you're good, they stay, you can get them. If the show sucks, you're in trouble. All right. Okay. Thanks. And if you're free for co host, we'll love to have you on. Thank you, brother. I have no idea. Why'd you let him dis. Go punch him in the face. <laughs> the customer, right? I hate customers. Always right. <laughs> it's awesome. By the way, to that point, what would you listen to from him? Do you read the email he sends? Uh, yeah. Cool. Have you sent an email that's hyping the podcast? Uh, not directly. Well, that's stupid. I respect that, but you're doing a free podcast for information to make clients smarter and better. Feels hard to, if you were charging $4.99 an episode, maybe he could look at it cynically, but if it's a free podcast that has some educational things that we think will matter to you, I don't see that as selling, I see that as providing value. Got it. How are you, my friend? Hi, Mark, ben, Mark Benhar, president of Benhar Office Interiors. We're an office furniture company here in New York. Love it. I thought you were great, by the way. Thank you. And I've been at three or four of these already. By far the best talk, right? You're the best speaker. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of mid-sized businesses here, and I'm sure yeah. people are making efforts with social media, and everyone's an expert. I don't know who to listen to. That is a problem. And <clears throat> I have an internal It's a gold mar- rush. Yeah, I have an internal marketing person. I have an SEO agency. I'm confused. Yeah. So what would, what's the tidbit of advice? It's a, it's a good tip too, Mark. You're going to love this one. Of the balance and how to do that. It's your business, right? Excuse me? It's your business. It's my business. Here's the tip. Educated. It's your business. Spend 50 hours, read a couple books. There's this crazy site called YouTube. It's free. You can watch videos. You have to be educated. It's no different than somebody standing up and saying, oh man, I'm getting really hosed by my CFO or finances because you weren't educated about your finances. Like, this is a this is a core skill that's needed, and either you'll get lucky and you, somebody you trust with your life, because that's what your business is, you let them run it, or you get educated so that when you ask a question, your SEO firm is running most of its ads against your own company's name on Google. And so you're probably spending half your money on people that would have come to you anyway. Like, you need to become a practitioner. That, you know, it's no different than being good enough to pick good furniture. If you were bad at that, your business would be over. I would deem, especially if you're selling B2B product, for you not to be a practitioner of how you're actually getting customers and leads in that environment is a vulnerability, right? I'm sure cataloging and phone calls you know, that's how you built it, me too. 
The problem is you can save a lot of money away from that stuff if you've learned this. So go to Turks and Caicos for four days, take your laptop, use the Wi-Fi, read a couple books, watch 18 seminars, and get educated. And then have a smart conversation. I mean, it's so funny, all my friends ask me, they all have business, they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, then put in the work. Or don't, and let it be a vulnerability. You can roll the way you want to, but that is the answer. Yeah. I'm gonna go all the way over there. I'll bounce around. How are, how are you? You, you, uh, you? Get a mic. I'll t- I can, you can't hear me? Oh, I can hear you, bro. Okay. What's your name? John I was talking Greenhut. to the lovely lady who said, me? I said, no, you don't have a mic. Go right. ahead. Uh, John Greenhut. First of all, I never really cursed, but that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could inspire. You are the shit, man. It's really good. Now you're rolling. Keep going. <laughs> so just to simplify this, because you know, it's, it's a huge world out there in, you know, in web marketing. Yes. I guess if I was going to ask you one simple question, what would the top three things on Facebook advertising or just Facebook marketing that you would suggest to everyone here? What do you what do? What, what's, your, what's your business or what do you do for a living? I market uh, nutritional supplements, skincare, teeth whitening products, uh, TV, radio, online. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You can, dis- you can kill. Oh, really? You can literally, think about this. So how do you spend, keep the mic, how do you spend your money now? Uh, all three. Infomercials? Uh, no, short form. Short form. Yeah. And uh, what's the rest? Uh, radio, television, internet marketing. And what's the internet? Basically SEM, Google yeah. AdWords? Uh, no, we, we're... I, Banner? Again, I need to educate myself more. Respect. However, we're doing everything from blogging to, yep. you know... The bottom so. line is, you could literally, and you know what the, so here's a good example. You know what your products compete with, right? Like, right. you know your products and you know what the other big products are in the category, right? Sure. You can literally market against people that are fans of that product and have your story, video or print, which is picture or video in Facebook, and people actually see it because it's in their stream. So you can create segmentations. You could create a segmentation of, if you want to market, if your teeth whitening product is doing super well in whatever category you're knowledgeable about, if you're trying to reach a 68-year-old male who's drank coffee his whole life versus a 25-year-old Upper East Side female, you've got to tell them two different stories. That's why Facebook is so powerful. We can segment at scale, so the right tactic is create as many segmentations as you possibly can afford that target customers and then tell stories to them that matter to them. I mean, everybody's like, guys, TV and general marketing is all vanilla because it's trying to reach everybody. Or you can run an ad for teeth whitening to 25 to 29 year old Asian Americans and go figure, this is mind blowing, maybe there's an Asian American man in the picture. Like you wanna sell me Talk about the Jets. If you sell peanut butter, put a Facebook post with some peanut butter and a Jets hat, I'll buy it. (laughs) So it's not just demo, you know, it's not just, why does BET over index with African Americans in viewership? They're in it. Like it's crazy. Like we can market so smartly, so learn how segmentation works. What's crazier that will blow your mind is it'll cost you 100 or $200 per group to see meaningful things happen if your content's right. And then you win if your product's right. But like the exercise and supplement, I mean like, that's the only people, I mean you should be buying Instagram ads yesterday. That's all that's going on on Instagram. Instagram's basically soft porn of fitness people. <laughs> I like how all the dudes laughed, you scumbuckets. 
Thank you. Yes. Uh, hi, Ted Goldberg. Uh, Aileen Candles, we're a domestic manufacturer. Uh, comment first and then a question. Um, I spent way too much money at retail at your place. <laughs> you can't get in on the weekends. I would knock down that Taco Bell and make it into a parking lot. Trust me, you I'm really debating it. Thank you. So, where do you live? Uh, I live in uh, New York City in Tewksbury, New Jersey. Thank you so much. So for you're that. halfway, and I yep. spend way too much money at retail. I love you place. so much. And there's a bunch of us here that will uh, collect a fund to displace Woody Johnson to uh, have <laughs> you on the you. Jets. <laughs> Um, we, miss the, we miss those ads on the Jersey Turnpike of you taking over the Jets. And that's fun. Like, he's referring to, I ran billboard ads on Jersey Turnpike for Wine Library and Wine Library TV. I did a show on YouTube a couple months after YouTube came out that made me kind of internet famous. Like, I know the arbitrage of print, radio, television, direct mail. I spent on it heavily and understood it compared to the alternatives now. Keep going, my friend. Um, so what you said about people uh, completely resonates with my partner and I. Um, we, uh, we are right now trying to get a grasp, and you didn't mention Glassdoor. Yes. Uh, we're really trying to get a grasp on kind of the message we're exuding outbound in terms of attracting I'm gonna throw um, you for people. Such a, I'm going to throw you for such a loop in a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, um, Do you so, want me to get right into it? How many people are familiar with what Glassdoor is? Cool. So, so, so we're trying to get a handle right now. We have a lot of factory workers, hire stick hundreds with of me fact, on this. I'm gonna jump factory in. people. So... Um, we're dealing with minimum wage, wa- minimum wage workers. So Yelp, uh, Facebook, yep. Glassdoor, we're trying to both attract really talented people yep. at all levels, yep. and we're trying to kind of uh, exude and combat some of the negativity written because we have minimum wage employer employees. Kind of, can you just comment yep, on the whole sure outbound and company image through Glassdoor yes. and through Facebook and the like? Yes. So. I'm very passionate about this. So every single employee that we fire at VaynerMedia that is not self-aware and didn't heed to the 30, I mean, oh, James Orsini, where are you? James, please stand up. James, please tell this room how I am at keeping employees around way too long and giving them way too much chance that up our cash flow and our profit margin. (laughs) Like the worst you've ever seen, right? Good. I'm the worst. Like, I love employees literally the most. And I give them 47,000 chances to figure it out. But when we fire them, if they're still like, what the I'm like. (laughs) I literally tell them to leave a negative review on Glassdoor if they believe that. So I would tell you that I think VaynerMedia's Glassdoor review is disproportionately worse than its reality because I have no interest in anybody applying for my company if they believe in anonymous reviews on the internet. So, I would spin this conversation a little bit backwards. There's a lot of 10 years worth of Yelp data and a lot of other data that points to a unbelievable distrust to anonymous reviews versus the establishment. Now, the reason I can win is because I put out so much content that I've built out equity. Instead of going on the defense against Yelp and Glassdoor, I want you to go on the offense to the world by putting out content. Got it? It's changing the conversation in your mind from a defensive one to an offensive one. You like it, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yep, just looking around, go ahead, yeah. 
Hi. Uh, hey, darling. Deb DiGregorio, Camaray. I've, I've been marketing tech companies for over 30 years. Amazing. Um, nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. Right down the road from you in Maplewood. We do Very business nice. strategy, marketing, and technology. Awesome. You talked about getting educated. Yep. So here's the shameless hussy plug. Do it. This is a book I just wrote. Yes. It's got 30 years of brilliance in it. Yes. Under two hours. Well, well, well. You think it's brilliant. Let me be the judge of that. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. You can be the judge. No, go ahead. All right. Go ahead. It's called Triumph Over Toothpicks, The Essential Guide to Business in the Digital Age. You and I are very much on sync, so I'm going to answer your question before you even ask it. How am I selling it? First, standing up here shamelessly and hawking it to everybody in the room. Everybody respects it because we'd all be and the same. And second, um, Facebook ads. Go figure. Um, <clears throat> go figure. And to sending them direct to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, yeah. and especially Amazon, works great, so. Have you started trying it? Are you in, is Instagram, Instagram's still in beta, right? I think Instagram's still, Instagram's gonna open up. You'll need, I, I know. Instagram's gonna be a beast for you. Yeah. The book sales that are happening organically on Instagram are overwhelming. The other thing you may wanna do is go to Instagram, search specific hashtags that you think will be relevant, and reach out to individuals. You can pay as little as 25 to $50 for a sponsored post where they'll take a post of it. Make sure that they put out hashtag sponsored so it's not doesn't feel inauthentic. Right. And I think you could do really well. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Let me go, let me go over there, back there. Hey, darling. Hello. Hello. Hi, my name is Dipali. I'm from Precision Technologies. Um, and I'm wondering what's your opinion about uh, social media marketing for B2B uh, businesses? Uh, I think it's a good can idea. Work? Uh, and if yes, then how? What did you say? I think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, because you said everybody has their smartphones what, or what, smart what, devices. What, what do you sell? IT staffing services. Great. Who do you sell to? CTOs, CIOs? Yes. Great. Make a video that the opening line says, does your CIO know? Make it 49 seconds, don't talk about your product, make it about the thesis of your world, then deploy it against employees of the companies that you wanna sell to. That CIO and CTO will have five emails in his or her inbox the next morning for people that work at DuPont, GE, small businesses, or whoever the hell your target is in 24 hours for a couple of hundred bucks. You know what that's called? Practitionership. Okay. And, 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 and the reason I'm making a big point about this is what I just told her is right. Make content that targets the person that makes the business decision, start the creative and the copy of, does your CTO know, then tell your story for a minute, and then deploy it for 100 bucks against the employees of a company, which is one of the segmentations that you can run ads against in a Facebook world. It shows up in a feed, I go, hey, I work at this company, I don't know if Rick knows this, share, send to Rick, now Rick knows, five people tell him, he's curious, he comes into your funnel. That's a good idea. No Thank you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Melinda Walker. Hold on, let's put it on. Melinda Walker, I'm... Can can you check if her mic's on? Okay, there Is we go. What's your name? Malou Walker. I'm How the are CEO you? of Matrix Initiatives. We're the company that uh, makes and markets Zycam. Great. Take it to shorten the duration of a cold. I think we're also a client. Um, so you've talked all today about 
outgoing messages and how we can place our messages going out. Yes. And we do a lot of that. And we, we do a lot of Facebook posts and the whole thing. Um, but I'm also interested in, is there a way, is there a technology or a process where we can um, get information in. So we do lots of traditional market research. Yes. You know, we do a lot. I, I personally and a lot of people on my team spend a lot of time just reading a lot. Yes. And paying attention on to social media and just trying to understand our consumer. Yes. I'm far more interested in what my consumer is doing now and how she's segmented now and how a big market research study could tell me how they're segmented and understanding I love what the this. white space is. And is there, is there yes. an organized way we can pull that in through um, so you digital could, means? Yeah, so what you're referring to, like, so first of all, this is a tremendous question, so thank you. There's unbelievable amounts of market research available for free now compared to paying Boston Consulting a million dollars to tell you. So obviously, the lowest hanging fruit is Twitter search. Right? So twitter.com slash search and putting in keywords is stunning IP, right? Now there's listening tools, Radiant 6, Salesforce products, where you can pay a lot of money that scrapes big data and formulates it. I'm actually gonna throw you for a loop and kind of similar to like reframing the question on the glass door question. I get most of my market research by creating content that leads the conversation in the comment section to a question or insight that I'm looking forward to. See what I mean? So if you made content around what a mother does who has two children and works a full-time job and then created a poll or led the sentence be finished by their comments and then targeted women with two children that have professions or your own CRM database, you can extract exactly what you're looking for when you present it in a way where it's content and fun and interesting and of value and lightweight, and that's one of my favorite ways to get consumer insights at scale, because then when I get a question organically that I like, I'll amplify it with ads to hit meaningful scale to really get a proxy and make sure I'm not just speaking within an eco-chamber. And then there's the Radiant Sixes and all those other listening tools that are out there that can give you that proxy as well. There's something called Ground Signal that I'm an investor in that I'm obsessed with that searches Instagram photos and comments, because that's a new place where a lot of millennial moms are spending their time. Um, so, I think, you know, there, there's some tools out there as I'm sure you're probably aware. You can go freehand and use the new Facebook search and the really established, well-planted Twitter search or you can start making content on your own platforms that leads them to the well of an insight and then amplify it with smart targeted ads. You're welcome. Yo. Hi Gary, I'm Peter Bell. I'm the uh, president and CEO of Eden Autism Services, which is an agency down in Princeton, near Princeton University, but Princeton, New Jersey. My question has to do more about what is your advice to us as CEOs about our own personal profiles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and all those kinds of things. I have always avoided the friend request from the family or the mom whose kid goes to my school or uh, even staff and so forth. I was intrigued by the fact that you're Facebook friends with all of your employees and so forth. How do you differentiate your professional life from your personal life? Do I really want people to know that I was out cheering my daughter on for lacrosse over the weekend or what I had for dinner the other night because it was just so great and so forth? Yep. How do you... How would you advise all of us to have kind of so, 
first and foremost, on Facebook, if you want to create a public persona version of yourself, you can create a Facebook fan page and drive everybody towards there. You set an autoresponder on those requests on your personal Facebook page. Hold on to the mic for a second, because there might be a follow-up. And you can drive them there. Um, the other thing is, you just may feel comfortable in showing that part of your life. I still think that people do business with people, and that if you both like root beer, or if you both like the Jets, or things of that nature, that stuff matters. Um, I don't think every CEO should be on, I remember there was a big trend in 2008, nine on Twitter, every CEO needs to be on Twitter. I think that's a mistake because I think a lot of CEOs are not cool and nice and interesting people, right? So like, if you know that you're introverted and don't like pe- engaging with people, why put yourself in a place where you do that at scale? Um, but I think it's an individual, at the end of the day, it's an individual decision. Um, I think there's way more benefits um, nobody's making you post content, right? You, I'm stunningly out there. It's very difficult to find pictures of my two children because I've made that choice. Um, I can text pictures to my mom or, you know what I mean? So I think it's a personal choice. I think, I think most people are leaving a lot of upside on the table by closing it off because there's a lot of other ways to communicate to the actual six people that you give a shit about than just Facebook. Um, and so that's my answer. Okay. Thank you. I know I'm over, so that's that. Guys, thank you. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary V Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.